Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Ladies and idiots. This is the Fade to Gray Podcast. I would cry a lot. Did you marry the right person? What did I do to deserve all of this? How the hell can someone do this to you? I didn't even want to live at that point. Do you think we can have an open marriage? People can be that damaging. Hurt people like to hurt people. What do you think about the Fade to Gray Podcast? It sucks. Nice. We out. We out. Welcome back to another edition of our relationship series here on the Fade to Gray podcast. This is Chris, and I'm joined by Seth. Today, we're talking to LJ, who is a member of our Patreon. LJ, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, It's great to be here. Definitely. We really appreciate having uh, you around in our Marco Polo group. And uh, thank you very much for for supporting the podcast. Oh, no problem. It feels nice to be Hispanic woman on here, um, especially in a sea of a lot of different personalities and, um, you know, views, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you might be the only Hispanic person in our group, actually. No, that's not true. Nick is in there too, right? Yes. Nick is Hispanic, even though he doesn't speak a l- speak. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, even though he doesn't speak. It's all right. It's all right. He, he doesn't speak Mexican. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, LJ, I'm just so happy that uh, you're joining us for a conversation on here. I really enjoyed getting to know you in the Marco Polo group. But for those listeners who aren't um, part of the Patreon um, and don't know you through Marco Polo, um, you we do know that you're Hispanic. But tell us a li- little bit more about yourself. Who is LJ? So LJ is um, a hardworking engineer, uh, mom. Um, and now very soon an ex-wife. And um, I think those are the strongest attributes that branch out into so many little parts of who I am and um, who I've become as far as um, my life has, has come into. Wow. So a female engineer, is that like a super common thing or is that, are you kind of like a minority in that way as well? 
I am a very big minority in that as well. Um, so I graduated 2016, uh, 2017, I believe. Um, I can't even remember anymore. But <laughs> I, out of a class of 120 people, I think, I was a woman in uh, 10 females, basically. So we are a huge minority in the mechanical engineering world. And that can be really cutthroat at times. Yeah, I'll bet. Definitely. But it's it's uh it's been worth it, I think, at the point to where I'm at in my divorce, in my life. It has been a struggle, but it has been worth it. Well, you're mentioning that you're about to go through a divorce, so and this is the relationship series. Um, so let's go back to the beginning of that relationship. All right. So when did you meet your husband? So I met him in two thousand four. Um, we actually met, he is, he was in the military at that time. Uh, he was in the army and, um, my sister, I went out to visit my sister cause that's actually how we met. He, um, was in the army as well with my brother-in-law and they were really good friends. Um, and, uh, she had these two guys she wanted me to meet. So I flew out there, visited her. And the first guy was like, eh, he's all right. <laughs> and the, <laughs> The second guy, I was like, okay, like, this is more my type. All right. So, um, you know, it's crazy. What is your type? Uh, what is my type? Yeah. Um, I would say it, ha- it has to be a white guy. I know. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and um, most of the time, it's been that blonde-haired, blue-eyed um type of guy and and it's always that very macho kind of guy um i'm I'm beginning to change that um in myself as well um like the firefighters policemen all of that i've always been so attracted to that check out 9-11 on netflix (laughs) i definitely will (laughs) (laughs) but um i'm definitely trying to go away from that because i know guys like that definitely um carry a little more baggage than i'd like but um anyways uh three months we dated and then we were like, let's get married. <laughs> wow. Wow. So it's yeah. really quick. How old oh, were you? I was 20. I was 20. So, um, coming from a culture, um, as you guys talk about purity culture, um, I, I didn't wait. We started having sex, but, um, you know, but he was the first guy I had sex with. So, um, I don't know. It, I think, we were in this whirlwind uh, romance. He was not a faith, but I, I, you know, I, I went to church. So, you know, uh, definitely different faith, faith um, based, uh, I guess, in that sense. And but still, three months we were married, and um, first year of marriage uh, thrown in in and kind of like, I don't know, it was like a bomb because um, he had to go to Iraq. So our first year. Um, he was gone. So I had to deal with being married. Um, and you know, the newlywed, (laughs) the newlywed, um, army wife and, uh, dealing with all these emotions of war as well. At age 20, where were you at in your life? I mean, I, I know you're an engineer now, so you started this relationship off. You got married within three months. Your husband was off to war. 
what what were you doing in the meantime what was going on in the background so in the background i um ended up working full time in the county of sacramento um which uh, it's kind of where i live um but i worked for cps for a while and i actually thought i wanted to be a social worker for a little bit yeah um just because i knew like i always wanted to help people out but um being in the in this dynamic um you know and dealing with um what my ex was going through overseas which um it was really hard because they couldn't call you whenever they felt like it so you wouldn't hear from them for weeks and you wouldn't know what's going on wow and at the same time you're dealing with um stories of these children and that so and I take on a lot of that emotionally. <laughs> so um, it was really tough uh, dealing with, with things in my life. LJ, you were talking about your, you wanted to go into social work and you went in to be a CPS worker. That is legitimately one of the most stressful social work jobs in the country. Like, I couldn't do that job. I know a lot of people that couldn't do that job and doing that on top of your husband being at, at war or not knowing what's going on. I can only imagine what that must've been like emotionally, especially just as you start off your, your marriage and at age 20. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was definitely, um, huge, huge. Like it scared me away from that. So, uh, <laughs> I ended up, um, I actually ended up going back to school and, um, starting my journey as, um, either an engineer, um, either civil or basically I ended up back in school because of that, because that freaked me out so bad and the emotional, um, just seeing the story and what I would do for them is kind of set up visits for these parents, um, who had court ordered visits to see their kids. And I would watch that in the interaction and see the kids and how they were scared. And, and, um, a lot of their stories I would read prior to them seeing their parents. So I would see all of that. And emotionally I took that home. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I don't know if anybody couldn't. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the fear and that's why I was like, no, I don't think this is for me. Yeah. You working there and doing that work while your husband was away had to have been traumatic. And so, was school a good distraction? It was definitely a good distraction. Um, it was one of those, um, I guess, being around other people helped a lot. Um, and I guess the part in which I think is like, still, you you see people, um, but no one really knew what was going on inside of me at that point. Um, and that was so, you know, you know, being 20 and having someone gone overseas, um, you would talk about it and people would sympathize with you, but at the same time, didn't realize like the emotional roller coaster that is like, Hey, one day this person may return in a box and mm. that's it. Like, what do you do after that? And I was, you know, a newlywed. So it just, it just put you in this weird mode of like, I'd rather be around people, hearing people going to school, um, and just, you know, being surrounded by that was probably more, more comforting than anything. And I'm curious because I know that uh, women who live on bases get a lot of support um, 
among other women whose husbands are at war and things like that. Were there any connections to like VA resources for you um, in having that kind of support? Um, at that time, there was not. Um, I didn't live on base. I actually, so he was stationed out of Louisiana um, and I ended up moving back home to California. So there wasn't really, um, the only lifeline I had was my sister whose husband was also gone at the same time. Um, so if I knew, uh, because my ex was so horrible at calling me, but, her, um, my sister's husband who was a gem would be telling me, he's like, Hey, he's okay. You know, <laughs> um, just cause they had a newborn baby. So he would constantly call her, um, Hey, how are you doing? And, and so that's how I knew my ex was okay at that, at that point, because, we still hadn't developed a relationship because three months isn't a lot of time. No, definitely <laughs> not. So was him going into the army, the reason for getting married so quickly or what was that story? What, what is it that caused you to launch from dating to marriage so quickly? I, I don't know. Um, honestly, I know he joined um, after nine 11. That was his basis for joining. And so, um, and I know he was, you know, he was, I think, 17 and a half when he enlisted. But honestly, with us, um, I don't even know, I guess, at this point in our lives, why we got married. Like, we were so different. Like, we were, I don't want to say different because we grew up in, in kind of the same dynamics at home. But um, just our views were very different. Um, we were, I want to say our characters were very alike we were uh, mirror images of each other, but our views on certain things were different. Um, and um, as far as our relationship goes, our communication skills, if we were mirror images of each other, we were just like each other. So we didn't communicate at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and that goes to show like when he came home, so a year passed by and he came home and, um, I don't know. You know how people say, oh, they're never the same. Well, I don't know if this was his character prior because we only dated for so long or it was just, you know, the fact that he changed, but he wasn't the same anymore. He just didn't mentally come back the same. It was just different. Yeah. Um, this wasn't the person whom I had those three months with. This wasn't, you know, even when he came home for R and R very different. Um, and, um, it was just, it was different. And I, I think that's when I started to notice that, you know, PTSD was a real thing. Like it is something, um, you know, him hearing balloons pop, like he would freak out. So he actually was in battle. Yeah. So he was a, um, boat operator and a bridge builder. So like an engineer, uh -huh. so he would build the bridges. Um, so definitely had to carry a gun, go in the Humvee, um, you know, see all combat as far as that went. So yeah, he was, he was in it. Gotcha. Yeah. And so you got to experience firsthand what PTSD looks like after they return from war. Yeah. And um, it was a lonely place for me mm -hmm. as a newlywed. So basically this was our, um, our actual first real year of being together. Um, and it was lonely because he got so wrapped up in, um, in himself in, um, and it, he was stuck in his mind a lot. And 
I didn't want to question that. So I kind of stayed in my own little bubble as well because I couldn't communicate what I wanted from him because we were basically strangers um, in, um, in this marriage. <laughs> and so, you know, I didn't know how to communicate with someone who, you know, who would come back. Um, and I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know. So I let him do his own thing. And a lot of the times people with PTSD will play video games mm -hmm. because they said that kind of gets you out of your mind. Yep. Um, yep. And that's what he did. And that's what he did basically. And I would leave him alone and I would just cook and clean and do everything for this man. Cause I didn't know how to help him. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you have very similar personalities and as a result, you communication was not the greatest and you didn't really know him that much before he, you know, left for the army and now he's come back. Um, other than playing video games and kind of taking care of responsibilities, how were his interactions with you? Was he more uh, forceful, stern? Um, did he get upset easier? Like what was that experience like? So um, he was a lot more, um, I think I, what is it that were that short circuited, mm -hmm. like very short tempered. Um, yes. It was hard to, to like even talk to him. Um, we would get into some awful fights and um, it's almost like they were starting to direct at me, mm -hmm. like maybe if I were the problem. Um, so there was a lot of fights where I felt like, am I doing something wrong? Am I like, did I do something wrong? Um, and that mentality started to grow as the years progressed. Um, I would cry a lot. I would cry at night a lot wondering like, you know, of course, one, did you marry the right person here, LJ? Like, come on, you know, and then you would think like, why is this anger so directed at me? Um, and um, it was it was tough because I knew he needed help. But it was like, how do I get to, to you know, ask him, like, how do you need help? Like, how can I help you? Um, Hard to ask someone who has a short fuse how you can help them because they may you, you feel like they may be offended by that, right? Exactly. And so yeah. um, basically the term, I started walking on eggshells for this mm. person. And that term, you know, even today, my children use that. My children, I have to tell my children how to walk around this man so they won't, you know, because of that short temper. Um Right that and uh, a lot of people who go through ptsd end up with some sort of substance abuse was he experiencing that as well no he just became a hermit like we would have mm -hmm. zero to no interaction with my family with his family um with anybody and um and it was it was just it was like him isolating himself from everyone like i would literally go to birthday parties for my sisters or family and I'd have to bring that plate home because he didn't want to come out of his room or he didn't want to come mm -hmm. out of, you know, his, I guess his bubble. And, um, it it just made for a lonely place to live. Mm -hmm. So especially for me and, and, you know, in essence, you see other couples and I was thinking like, why can't I have that? Like, why do I have someone who wants to sit at home all day? Like, why can't we go out? Um, and it, it definitely, um, in the course of time, just, just made me very insecure. You mentioned yeah. earlier that, you know, when he was in the army and he was overseas, like you had some support through your sister. 
What was your support system like now that he's back and was isolating? Did you have anyone that you could reach out to or vent to or process through what was going on? No, um, honestly, um, I didn't. I didn't. And um, I was very good at um, making nice, beautiful faces at, at people to show that, hey, I'm okay. Even though I knew I was like dying inside. I knew that a little part of me was not okay. Um, I'd put it in a lovely little box every fight, every um, every time I'd cry, and I would just file it away. It's like a filing system of emotions that you would feel, and you just couldn't talk to other people about how this person was or what he was doing to you on the inside. So, whenever he wouldn't show up to your family events, did you end up making excuses for him? I did. I definitely yeah. did. Um, and uh, he was also gone a lot too because he was in the reserves at that point. So sometimes um, he even said at, at some point he would have gone back to war just because he felt comfortable in that zone. Um, maybe it was the adrenaline. I'm not too sure on, on how that goes, but I know he was gone. Um, so I want to say like a total of four years of when we were married on and off. Like, so again, um, spending a lot of time alone, very independent of this man. And, um, again, like we were strangers. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it brings me though to, um, I guess going on for five years later, um, I think it was the recession time and, um, that's the time when I remember he was, wasn't doing the reserves, wasn't doing anything. And he ended up going in between a lot of jobs because um, he couldn't stick with the job. And I was working uh, full time and um, he had basically, we ended up pregnant. <laughs> mm. I'm like adding on top of just, you know, all the emotions and everything and trying to keep it all together um, in this nice little box, I get pregnant. But I noticed that something's off. Um, I noticed that um, I'm not, I'm not okay. Like I knew my body was talking to me and I was like, okay, well, something's off. Like what more can be on my plate than dealing with all of this? Um, and uh, I remember sitting in the toilet one day, I know it's going to get pretty graphic, but sitting in the toilet and I'm like, okay, I cannot get out. Like what's wrong with me. Um, and he is in bed and I literally like yell at his name. I was like, I'm not okay. I need to go to the hospital. And, um, he's like, what's wrong. Um, and he kind of got really, you know, I know I woke him up here at three in the morning and I was thinking in my head, like, I know I should probably not, you know, not rock the boat here with him, but I, I'm not okay. So I was like, okay, well then I'm just going to take myself to the hospital. And he just got super pissed off and we ended up at the hospital, um, 12 hours in the hospital, um, me bleeding out. I found out that I was pregnant. It was, I was two months and, um, I was basically going to die. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. I was, I was, uh, it, the baby had basically burst, um, and them making me wait that long in the hospital. Um, I don't know. I think I got to this point of like peace, like, Hey, whatever happens to me does and whatever doesn't, doesn't. Um, 
And, you know, you send a little prayer to God and you think, man, like, this is how my life's going to end. Um, and then I wake up, like, I don't even know, like 14 hours later, um, and then telling me this, like, hey, you were pregnant, you know, you were almost died, you know, <laughs> and, and all of that lovely stuff. But I don't know, for me, it was, it was like hurtful because it made me think like, what more can go wrong in my life? I thought, yeah. like, you're dealing with this person who has no emotions and now I'm, I lost a baby. And so I thought like, man, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> what did I do to deserve all of this? So after that, you know, I have, you know, I got like a C-section. They were able to save my tube. They were able, you know, to save me. And uh, you deal with all those emotions. Like you don't have a baby, but you have hormones. And right. then you deal with like other things, like people talking about you and saying, oh, well, you know, she'll be okay. And it's like, no, you don't understand. I'm not going to be okay. So it was, it was really hard. And I felt like at that point, people just say things to say things. So I even isolated myself even more. Mm -hmm. So it was hard. <laughs> and that was around 2008 when that happened. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 2000. So obviously you startled him in the middle of the night and he was upset by that. Did you end up driving yourself or did he end up taking you? He ended up taking me to the hospital. Um, I think he just felt bad that he like yelled at me and I was already in such right. a state, you know, uh, just shock. <laughs> and, and after you came to and you got all this news and you start processing this, what was his reaction to you? How did he respond to that following the hospitalization? Yeah, he was very detached. Uh -huh. yeah. I basically had to take myself to the store. I had to do everything for myself and walk around in pain. And um, it was hard because, you know, like I just wanted someone to, to help me go through it. And I still couldn't because he was so detached and I just wanted a hug. I just wanted something to tell me like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But none of that, <laughs> I didn't get any of that. It's almost like me having to comfort myself. And I learned how to do that, to, to fight through that. So definitely hard. <laughs> well, LJ, I just want to, I mean, I think you know this, but no person should have to go through that alone. Yeah. That's not, that is not a weight anyone should carry by themselves. And the fact that you did do that and you did carry yourself through that, with very little support. Is there anything that you've taken away from that? Is there anything that you feel as if you've learned or has changed you because of that? It just, I think for me, um, I think it's taught me a lot of compassion. Um, and, um, I don't know. I feel like people, um, I basically, I think I relied more on God for that because mm. I felt like at that moment, he was the only one listening when other people thought they, people always want to put in their two cents, but mm. when they walk in your shoes, I think 
they try to say, oh, I would do this. And it's not like that. It's not like that at all. For me, it's like, don't say you would do that. Just listen. Just, and I, and I think that's what I would do for someone is just listen and be there and know the hurt and feel it. Because to be understood, you want to understand the other person. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, understand. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was rough. And then, um, and so he ended up losing his job. (laughs) Because I'm not sure what funk he had gone through after what happened to me. And uh, basically, after that, Six months later, we were having a tough time financially. Um, him in, in his own bubble, he didn't want to work. He was playing his video games. I was basically working full-time. And when you have PG&E going off and your Comcast going on and off because you can't afford it, well, you find other entertainment. So guess what? You have sex and then you get pregnant again. <laughs> Well, hopefully this one went a lot better. Um, it did. It did. Um, I got pregnant with my son. Um, but I think the one thing that um, I think he was scared. I think we were both scared because one, um, we thought like, hey, for, during the first few months, like, hey, is this okay? Like we would go to the doctor and um, we would. I would find out like, okay, am I good now? I'm like, you know, so it was, it was an amazing time. Um, but I started to notice the same kind of deal with him after a while. Like I would go to doctor's visits by myself. I would, um, and at that point, I think he had found a job with somebody. So he was gone to San Francisco all the time. Um, he was kind of like back and forth. So I would go to, you know, doctor's visits. Um, you know, I found out he was a boy by myself. So going to the sonograms by myself. And I think that was really hard on me as well, too, because I would even tell him like, Hey, do you want to touch my belly and feel the baby? And he was like, No, I don't want to feel that. Like, I I don't, you know, and and for me, it's like, most people are like, happy, right? You're gonna have a baby. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) The person didn't even go to my doctor's visits, didn't even ask, like, Hey, are you okay? I would just, I don't know. And I would get like, it's almost like envy. Like, why couldn't I have someone who cares enough that they're having a baby? And he would always say, like, I'll just wait till it's born. I'll just wait till it's born. Until what? (laughs) And that's what I would figure out. Like, what, what are you waiting for? Like, you know, and um, it was hard. I would, I would sit at home alone and I would cry. And I would think, man, like just an ounce of love. If you would just show that, that would make my day. But no, nothing. Like he was living it up in his own world because where he worked at, he um, would go fix like Home Depots. And and so like when he would do that, he would spend the night in San Francisco and they'd go out and have a great time over there. And I'm over here wondering like, man, this person just doesn't even give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so it was hard. And I think when, and I would always take it out of myself and be like, am I not good enough? Like for this person, like, did I do something wrong, you know, in my life? 
to, mm-hmm. to end up this way. So it was, it was definitely like a kick in the pants, <laughs> but I still kept on and I still kept going and that worked full time. And I had like literally two days I left on maternity leave two days prior and I was like, oh, I'm not going to have the baby for another week. Nope. I ended up in the hospital, had him two days later after I left for maternity leave. And um, it was crazy. It was crazy. It just went so fast from me being by myself to me having a baby. Wow. <laughs> and um, it was hard because, I mean, as you guys seen, women after they have babies are hot messes. Um, and you get taught like my sisters were my rocks at that point, you know, they had noticed they, people see your misery. Oh yeah. And, uh, my aunt was amazing. Um, my aunt who basically like raised me was there. She, she would like help clean. She knew. Um, and, um, you know, my family was just amazing. in the community at that point, but knowing myself, I was still that isolating person. And I was like, no, I can carry this burden alone. Um, I'm, I'm going to do this however I can. I basically breastfed, changed the baby, did everything for, I don't know, like a good, I want to say like, I don't think he ever even carried the baby until I maybe like every once in a while he would, but he just wouldn't have that nurturing aspect of what a father should be like with a baby. So of course, you know, as a mom, like that gets to you, that gets to you, especially when you're all emotional. Um, and it hurt, it hurt me inside. Cause I'm, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, well, if you're not going to be a part of our lives, then why are you here? But, um, were yeah. you ever able to express that? I, I couldn't. I couldn't, I felt like I didn't know how I felt like, because our relationship was not based on communication. I felt like I couldn't even express Mm. what I was feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. at that point, I think my emotions as a mother and as everything, you know, as you know, a wife, and I just felt like I couldn't even express what I was thinking at that point because everything was so jumbled. Like I'm over here breastfeeding my kid while you're sleeping um, I'm, I'm cleaning the house. I'm cooking. I'm, I'm trying to go back to work. I'm trying to do it all. And, um, seeing him do nothing and in his mode and his depression, it was like, it's almost like a damaging effect to me. Like I couldn't yeah. even see, I had no words anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm. The people most affected by mental illness generally are not the mental, are not the people with the mental health disorder, but the friends and family that surround them. And, it sounds like you were definitely a victim of that. Yeah. Yep. How long did that last? I mean, so like you're going through this. I know you've now had, you now have a child. He's not being receptive to that. He's not being comforting. He's not stepping in and supporting you. I mean, truly you can only last so long doing that on your own. So what yeah. happened next? So then, um, my son, he was seven months old. Um, and at that point we were so damn broke. We had to move back in with my parents. Um, that was like pretty damaging for, you know, any, 
I guess any man to think that, you know, maybe you couldn't provide for your family. And, um, I was still working my ass off. Um, and I, and I remember we get to this point where we were so broke. I had to sell my wedding ring back. Oh my God. Yeah. It was the worst possible thing ever you could do. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Hey, I needed money. So, um, and I remember empty promises of like, Hey, I'll buy you another one someday. And I'm like, okay. Um, but even then we couldn't afford it. So we moved back in with my parents and, um, at seven months, my son was seven months and he's like, I'm going to reenlist to go back to Iraq. It's like, I can't do this. Um, I, he felt like he needed to provide. So there we go. We're on round two of him being gone for another year. Me being alone with a baby. Were you supportive of his decision to reenlist? I felt like I was, I'm always such a really understanding person. And I always told him like, if you need to do this, then of course I'm, I'm going to be accepting of that. I wasn't happy with it because I knew the damaging effects it had already done on him, but I couldn't tell him not to go and stop him from being him yeah um and uh and there he goes off for a year and he kind of does the same thing if not a little worse than the beginning um where he just doesn't call he just doesn't call he um kind of leaves me to wonder like hey what's going on um he would call every so many weeks um and uh it was rough on me with a baby um, to deal with that. So I clung on to that baby, like for dear life, like he was my anchor. Yeah. He was the reason why I was probably and probably still here. <laughs> Cause, uh, yeah, every day, every day I would think like, wow, what if this other person doesn't come home and I have a child here now? So it was, it was pretty rough. Before you mentioned that he re-enlisted and that you moved back in with your parents and that that was really hard for him. I really wanted just to input like big deal, dude, <laughs> grow yeah. up like yeah. you like, um, yeah, deal with it. And then he runs away and goes back and re-enlists. So that kind of defeats that entire purpose. Um, <laughs> when he went back, like, so now that he's back in the army and he did all of this again, I, you had already moved in with your parents. So did you stay there with your parents or did you move out again? No, I stayed there. I didn't, um, I didn't know what to do at that point. Like what if something happened to him and that's where I had to be at? Or what if, you know, you think about right. all the what ifs. Um, so I think it was just, it was comfortable enough for me to stay there. And um, my aunt was there and that woman, I kid you not, that woman is, was, she was a gem. She was a gem. She like switched her days off to watch my, my kid. She was like, you go do what you have to. I want you to, you know, she encouraged me. She's like, you go to school, get your mind off of things. Um, her and my dad have always been there for me when I needed them the most. And um, so that's why I think I started to go full time um, at that point. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to go. I'm going to continue. Cause before I'd, I'd go on and off because, you know, I had to work, you know, he wasn't doing anything. So I had to carry that. And, um, so then, you know, going back to school and I was still working at that time as well, but, um, 
yeah, it was, it was tough. And, um, I think it gets a little worse when he, when he comes back. Like I think about it now, you're like, man, you know, he went back, you know, he came back the first time it was bad. And then this time it was, it was really bad because, um, he started to take his anger out on both of us. Like, um, he was just, you know, I don't know what it was. Um, he had started to work out a lot and I still hadn't lost all my baby weight. <laughs> so then he started to make like comments, oh, um, man. After, you know, me being, um, a little bit fat. Um, he started to just, uh, see himself in such a different light than I'm less superior or I'm not good enough kind of thing. Um, and then when he would get angry at me, um, he would definitely, um, I, I just remember one time we got in a really bad fight and all I heard, like, as I walked out of the room, cause we still lived on my parents was a huge bang to the wall. And then I came back in the room and a book had literally gone through the door. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the anger was worse. Um, and, uh, but this is happening, but this happened. So he came back when, what year was it when he came back? Like, where are we at on the timeline? We're on the timeline of 2010. 2010. Okay. Okay. And so he came yeah. back and you're still living at home. So yeah. this is happening at your parents' house. Yes. This is happening at my parents' house. Yes. And are, yeah. can your parents hear this? I mean, are they witnessing this? Mm, so my parents worked. So, um, this was, the only person that was there was my aunt. Um, cause she worked like the night shift. So she would hear it. And I remember one time, um, I was gone. Uh, I'm not sure where I went to the store, but I did. And he had decided that he wanted to, I don't know, he got mad. Um, and he hit my kid and he didn't just hit him. He just hit, he hit him really hard. And my what? aunt got involved. As yeah, in like, not like as in a spanking, but like an actual physical hit. Like really hit hard. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know to the extent of like, but my aunt got involved. She was like, mm. do not put your hands on him again. And they got in a fight. Like they were literally going to punch it out. <laughs> wow. And I, again, chose him. I chose him. And I said, hey, he's our kid. Um, but I, I, at that point, didn't realize how bad it was or how, you know, he would hit my kid for doing something really simple. And I think at one point I got into the this mode where I'm like, hey, do not ever put your hands on my kid again. I was like, if you want to put your hands on something, you know, like you can leave, you know, at that point, I think I was already done. Um, with this person and I'm thinking like, why would you even hit him? He's like only one and a half. Like what more can a kid do? And so it was, it was rough. And at that point we were like no longer welcomed at my parents' house. So we had to move out. We had to move out. There was no way like I could keep the peace because my aunt helped my dad and, you know, financially. And I felt horrible for being there and again, choosing this man over my family. So we ended up moving out to keep the peace because that's what I do. And I try to placate people and we moved out. And um, I think that's when, um, I think it was 2011, I believe we moved out. 
And everyone says like, what happens when they deploy or come back from deployment? You get pregnant. (laughs) So lo and behold, Christmas, I think it was Christmas day. I found out I was pregnant and I'm thinking in my head, like, wow, like how can this possibly happen? Well, I mean, obviously we all know how it can happen, but, (laughs) um, and so I got pregnant with my daughter and that pregnancy was horrible. Like we, it was stressful because we would get into so many fights about money, about everything you could possibly think of. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I, I just, it was horrible. It was like reliving my son's pregnancy again. Like he just didn't care. He didn't care what kind of baby we had. We kind of <laughs> just, he just, uh, he didn't care. And I like, it was kind of like living alone with, with that, you know, happiness, like, Hey, I'm going to have a baby girl this time. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm trying to make my life happier because I didn't know what else to do. Like I try to make myself happy and think like, okay, everything's okay now. When I knew inside, I wasn't, when I knew he wasn't (laughs) and we were both miserable. So what do you do? You just keep going. You just keep going. And, um, yep. And my baby girl was born, um, 2011 and, um, beautiful, beautiful baby. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just felt like, Basically, after that, things just went downhill. I think, I, I think eventually, I went down to my lowest point in my life um, when she hit about one and a half. Um, I had uh, found we had gotten into another huge fight because that's what happens um, with us now. It's not uncommon, and um, I leave to my parents' house for like two nights, and I come back and. Um, of course, I look at his phone because I have this intuition and I see a lot of pictures, a lot of nude pictures, a lot of um, sexting going on, a lot of that. Um, and I kind of go up to him and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? And he's like, well, I thought we were broken up. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there thinking in my head, Wow. Like I leave for two days because of you and your anger issues. I'm protecting my children and you go and do this. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And, um, I don't know. I don't know why I stayed and I still couldn't tell you why I stayed. Um, maybe because I don't know, he just puts on a really good show, I guess, like a really good show, like the, I'm sorry show, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm going to go get help kind of thing, but it never happened. It never happened. And so I went down a really big spiral. I had gained 240 pounds. Like I was up there when I had my daughter and I couldn't get down and I just felt ugly. I felt like I couldn't do any better. Um, And so I went down into a horrible depression because I was like, how could he have done this to me? Like, am I not good enough? Am I not pretty enough? Am I like, how, how the hell can someone do this to you? Like what? And and then I even asked him, like, did you have sex with any of them? And up to this day, like, I'm never going to know if he did or not. Like, you know, 
Yeah. I'm never going to know. Um, and at this point I don't want to know. And I literally, I don't know. I didn't at that point, like I was contemplating on myself, like, why am I even alive? Like, why am I alive? Like, what is my purpose to keep suffering like this? Like to keep just going back to a person who does not love you. And it was hard. It was so hard because at that point, you know, I, I was already at Sac State. I had gotten so far in my education. I had had people who were stronger for, they were like strong for me because I couldn't be strong anymore. I didn't even want to live at that point. And I knew I had babies to live for. I knew it, but still, like all of that, the emotions, the the hurt, that emotional impact that he's leaving, those scars, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I think I got to that point. And I remember like thinking in my head, like, I don't even know. I don't even want to wake up. Like, God, I don't even want to wake up today. Like, why did I wake up? And it was like that. It was like something so dark was on your shoulders. Like you couldn't even get it off. Like, and I would start to get panic attacks. Um, I got, I get really severe ones to the point where I black out when I'm driving. And um, it was crazy because I remember one time I almost hit a semi rig truck because I couldn't see at all. (laughs) And um, it was a lot. I mean, I was going to Sac State full time. I was working. I was taking care of the kids. My parents were watching them. And what did he do all day? Slept. He slept. And it was a lot. (laughs) It, It was a lot. With those types of thoughts, I mean, I I can definitely understand how anyone can get to that place, especially given those circumstances. Um, This is going to sound like a really weird question, Um, but did you ever think about a plan or anything like that on how you would end your life? I did. Mm -hmm. I definitely did. Um, Yeah. And it was probably... um, it was probably not a good thing, but yeah, I definitely had a plan. Mm-hmm. So my social work self came, you know, immediately. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm like, I'm almost going into a safety plan. And I know we're talking about something that happened a long time ago. Um, but I just want to say that I'm so sorry that you've had to go through that. You shouldn't have to have experienced that. Not at all. Um, on, on, on some level, I'm just so incredibly thankful that you had your children. Yeah. Um, I think they, they saved me. I think Mm -hmm. they were that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and, uh, you know, going forward from there, um, it's funny because, um, after that episode, I found out I was pregnant again the fourth time. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, found out I'm totally fertile. I, I tell people, um, (laughs) And uh, I found out I was pregnant the fourth time, but again, I knew something was off. Um, It ended up being another ectopic pregnancy that I caught really early on. And um, I remember leaving the kids with my mom and driving to the hospital myself this time. Um, I was in pain, but it wasn't as bad as the first time where, you know, I was basically dying. Um, So I just sat there and I cried. I cried because I thought like, dang, I must be defective or something like, 
<laughs> this is like, but then at the same time too, it was kind of like, I'm glad I didn't because at that, all the emotional roller coasters we had been on, um, maybe a kid wouldn't have been a good idea. Um, and for some reason it didn't happen. And, um, I was, I believe I was like four weeks, um, and you still get hormones, you still get pregnancy hormones. So it's like, if, if a depression didn't get you, mom hormones are going to get you. So mm. it was pretty awful. I'm going to be honest. And I hope that what I'm about to say is not too insensitive, but honey, that man was not treating you right. <laughs> don't give him the sex. You just don't give it to him. Okay. And, and honestly, I'm, I, I'm wondering, did you take these, um, I don't know what you call it. Pregnancies that don't turn into pregnancy, you know, these situations where you don't have the child. Uh, we did use, so with my son, I was using contraceptives and I missed a pill and got pregnant with this um, last pregnancy. So my fourth pregnancy, we were using the IUD and that's 99.99%. I think yeah. I'm that, I'm that 0.1%. Let's just oh say my that. Gosh. Well, I'm just saying, I'm like, I almost feel like you not have, like the, the children not happening is almost like a sign or, or something. You you know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah. Hey, this, this isn't, this isn't the right situation. I agree with you. I agree with you. There are no coincidences in, in my life, honestly. <laughs> that's a that's very subjective Seth perspective, but I just was like, I'm like, man, I don't know. <laughs> well, you've gone through all this crazy stuff with this husband. I'm certain that whenever you had to move back in with your family, that probably affected you mentally as well. I mean, I know he was, you know, very uh, emasculated by that. Um, I'm sure that was hard for you as well. And then you keep getting neglected uh, and you, you live with this and you have two beautiful children out of it. And that's wonderful. You get to the point where you're suicidal, right? But what happens yeah. from there? Like, I know that you're getting divorced. How long has it been? And, and how did you get there? So that brings me basically to the last three years of my life in general. So um, we we go up to, I think, 20. Uh, shoot. I, it was, what is it? Three years ago. Guys can't even think right now. Um, 2015. 2015. Um, I'm a year, I believe I am almost a year shy of graduating. So I graduated 2016, May. Um, oh shit, I can't even think. Anyways, so my aunt gets diagnosed with cancer. It's and this is the one that's been extremely supportive. This is my rock. This woman is my rock and she's being taken. And that was a hit. That was a hit. And um, her last six months, we were running around, me and my sister and my brother, going to chemo, going to just, it was, it was insane. And this was my senior project year. So I had a year of senior project as a mechanical engineer. And um, it was insane going through that, sitting there, having her throw up. I mean, we're talking about her waking up in the middle of the night you know, needing help, throwing up, I mean, everything. And I would take her showers. I know she'd probably hate me saying that, but I would take, you know, I would, I would take her in the shower and I would, you know, basically those are those intimate moments you have with this person who was so strong and was a light to you. And I would talk to her 
And she, she would always tell me something that's going to stay with me. She's all like, I think he loves you, but in his own way. It's almost like she knew that this person didn't love me. Hmm. And she just kind of said it to placate me. Anyways, um, six months in, um, it was December. And she was in the hospital, like they had already told us, you know, she wasn't going to make it. And um, then I, I'm, I'm going from work and I, I'm, of course, like I'm having panic attacks galore because uh, that was a lot on me. I was working, going to school and I was working 40 hours, full-time school, two kids just running around Sacramento like you couldn't believe. And then with my aunt too. And I would go to the hospital every day. Um, and, uh, I get a phone call and my ex was like, Hey, um, I left the kids with your parents cause I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay, what is it? He, he, he's all like, well, I need you to come home. And then I said it, I was in the car and I started crying because I knew then he had cheated on me. So I told him like, did you cheat on me? And he said, yes. And then he started crying on the phone. And I told him, how can you be so fucking selfish right now when my aunt is dying and it's all about you again? And I just couldn't. I couldn't take it. I was like, I can't go home. He's like, you have to come home. Like, I need you to come home. And it was the same sappy story again. I'm sorry. I'll change. I'm sorry. I'll go get help. And I couldn't even. Like, I was carrying the load of my aunt in then he brought on his shit. I lost it. I lost it. And, and no one knew. And no one knew that that's what I was caring to. No one knew that I was caring that much. They just thought I was emotional because my aunt. And I said, you have no idea. And I still couldn't get myself to talk to somebody. I was like, no, I should carry this. I feel like a burden on other people. So I'm going to carry this. I'm going to put it in a lovely little box and mourn for my aunt because I can't do this. And I went home and we talked and because I wanted that emotional and that physical connection because I am physical touch. That is my love language. We had sex. I don't even know why. Like, I don't know why. And I think I just needed something. You needed to feel um, loved. It exactly. makes complete sense to me. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I weeks, it was weeks later, um, she passed away. And I'll always remember the last day before she died. Um, it was hard signing a DNR. It was hard, mm. you know, saying goodbye. It was hard holding her hand because I knew I will never see her again. And she wouldn't give me advice anymore in my marriage. She wouldn't give me advice anymore. And that was the hardest part of letting her go. And she told me she was sure a woman of faith. And she's like, you know where I'm going and you know, we'll see each other again. And I'll never forget that. Wow. And she died the next day. And I mourned. I mourned for her because I couldn't mourn for my marriage. I felt like everything was dying around me. Mm -hmm. I felt like a part of me died with her because that last year of my marriage, 
I couldn't even care anymore. I didn't care about him. I didn't care what happened. I didn't care. We fought like cats and dogs. It was bad. It was so bad until that December again. It was another year, another December. And um, the shitty part about it is that he talked to my family first. He went out with my family and told them, like, I want you guys to be there for her, you know, because I'm going to ask her for the divorce and all this other shit. And He talked to your family before he even told you that? Yes. Yes. I felt like betrayal, like a slap in the face. Oh, my God. How could you do this? Like, you, you know that they're not even a part of our marriage, like, and that I keep everything inside. Like, how could you do that? So he did. And, um, he, like, I went out, like, thinking it was a normal day with my mom. And then I came back home and then he sat me down. He's like, there's something I need to talk to you about. And I'm like, okay, just let it out. Uh, he's like, I want a divorce. Um, he's like, I don't love you. Um, I think we should just go our separate ways. So I literally crossed my shoulders and was like, okay, okay. Like, this is my way out. Like, (laughs) yeah. So I grabbed my shit. I grabbed my kid's stuff and I left everything else to him. Like, I know people are like, I don't know why you didn't take the bed that, you know, and I'm like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think he, he's always been a man who is like, what's mine is mine kind of thing. Like I bought it with my money therefore it's mine. Um, so I left it. I was like, I don't want to have that fight. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't, I don't want to. What was your out? Uh, it was your door to freedom. So exactly. It's like the door open, run through that door. Like, <laughs> don't look back, run. And and I did, and I and I took it, and so basically I did that. But um, it was weird because the next couple of days I got an email saying he was suicidal, saying he didn't want me to leave, saying all this stuff too. So. We had talked, we ended up talking in a car for hours and he had asked me, he's like, Hey LJ, do you think we can have an open marriage? <laughs> and of course me like a dumbass, um, was like, sure, why not? Let's try it to at least save whatever dignity I have. <laughs> Hold the wait. I, I have to interject at this point. <laughs> I- there's too much going on here. So let me understand this correctly. He, he asked for a divorce and went through your parent and said that he never had loved you went through your parents before coming to you. Then you, it says you're done and he leave. So you leave. And then he says, unless you come back, I'm going to kill myself. So then you move back in and now he wants an open marriage. Yes. So I that, knew at this point he was either manic or something was wrong. Yeah. Th- that doesn't, not- yeah. That doesn't work. Like it's either you're in or you're out. Like you can't threaten to kill himself if you don't move in and then want an open marriage. Like that doesn't make any, well, then why does you need to move in in the first place? It doesn't make any. Well, it's because he can go on playing video games all day and she can take care of him. Oh yeah. You're providing all the finances. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, my question is, is why didn't you leave him? I don't know. I don't know. I think I got mentally to that point where I got so debilitated by maybe feeling like I'm not good enough. 
I'm not good enough for anybody else. So I don't know. And maybe that's the strong hold he had on me. Like this person can be that damaging. People can be that damaging. I tried a one-sided <laughs> open marriage. That's for sure. Well, now um, wait a minute. So he was the only one allowed to be in an open relationship? Yeah, because he said that he didn't want to have sex with me without a condom because he didn't want that nasty shit on him. <laughs> wait, I, no, now go back. What? So who was sleep? Who had the open relationship? The husband was able to sleep around, but she wasn't allowed to. Then what? Then what were you? Then he, and so he would only have sex with you as a condom because he didn't want to get what on him because you're not sleeping with anyone else. He is. Yeah. And he is. Yeah. So then what is it that you had that he would? I don't under. Well, he didn't want me to sleep with anybody else. So that therefore, if I did, he would wear a condom because he didn't want that shit on him like other dudes or whatever it was. Well, and- you don't want other women on you. <sighs> Well, you don't know that, Seth. Maybe she does. Maybe she does. I embrace it all. I just I support it all. I just, I mean, I don't know, you know, I mean, is he using a condom when he was sleeping with other women? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that we I were still sleeping with each other after that. I would have demanded that. <laughs> yeah. So we did that for three months. And I think I got to this point where I was just tired of the guessing. I was tired of the guessing game. I was tired of thinking and guessing who the next personality was going to come up or if he's going to be okay or if he's not. And so um, on my son's birthday, we had had a huge fight, really, really gnarly fight. And that's the, that's the one time that I think I was scared that he was going to hit me, like physically hit me because he was so up in my face. And he literally said to me, if you do not get out of my face, I will hit you. Jesus. And, yeah. and I think I was done. I was completely done. I said, you and I are done. Um, and then after that, I kind of branched out on my own. I, um, I just, I had to like recollect myself. Um, I had to think about what I was going to do because he also told me that he, I was never going to make it without his money. So. <laughs> what money was he providing? <laughs> he had uh, got a really great job, and uh, which I helped him get, by the way. He'll say otherwise, but I applied for him, and I did all of that stuff. And um, still, yes, he was like, you're never going to make it without my money. And mm. it was, um, I don't know, it's one of those things that has it's always... called child high. support asshole. <laughs> It's one of those things that always lit a fire in my ass. Like, oh, I'm going to make it and I'm going to prove to you. Like, I made it this far with you thinking I'm not going to make it. And um, I had I had already graduated, um, which was a really sad time, too, because my aunt was supposed to be there. I had already found a job. I was working. Um, but the problem was, too, is that I wasn't making enough money. So there was LJ. Um, who had to, basically I lived in a one, not even a one bedroom, a studio with the mattress and two kids thinking, what the hell am I going to (laughs) do? And, um, he didn't visit the kids. 
he was living it up. He was living it up his own life with his own money. And, um, I was, I was, I was struggling. I was struggling financially. I was struggling with two kids. I schedule school, um, everything, everything you could possibly think of has happened to me. Um, I didn't even know where sometimes we would get money for food because he wasn't providing. Um, so for a while they actually had to move in with my sister. Um, and it was a morning, a loss of like, I didn't even have my kids. I lived in a mattress. I, I didn't even know how I was going to do this. And I, I just, I don't know. I still don't even know how I made it, but I sure did. I kept working and then I landed a great engineering job and, um, you know, he still is the way he is. He visits the kids whenever he feels like it, maybe once or twice a month. Um, and, um, you know, I had to file for divorce because he didn't want to go file (laughs) (laughs) and, um, which, which brought along a lot of anger with my daughter because she's like, why do you have to do it? I hate that you have to do it. Cause she thought like, you know, it was, it was answering those hard questions that little kids shouldn't have to go through or shouldn't have to see and had to deal with. Um, when they did go see their father, all the emotional setbacks he would bring to my children, um, he would yell at them. I don't know if he hit them, but I, my son started getting panic attacks, like out of nowhere. Um, and I cried because how could a little boy who has one father have a panic attack? Like, you know, and it was hard watching him go through that because I knew what they feel like. And he doesn't. He's like, Mom, what's wrong with me? Mm. And I'm trying to explain, like, baby, this is this is when your body's stressed. You have to calm down. And and a lot of the times he'll be like, Mom, I don't want to go to dad's house. And I'm like, I'm sorry, baby. Like you just it's like I have to teach my children how to walk on eggshells for this man because I don't know what else to do. It's like your back's against the wall and he still wants to control things and he still thinks he can control me. And I'm like, no, I'm going to put these boundaries and you can't see them whenever you feel like it. You know, a lot of the times he would take them from me and then just dump them at my parents. I'm like, you can't do that without me being there and um, going out and dating. Oh God, it's out of the question because I just, I can never get a day off. And when I do, I mean, I'm sorry to say this, but sometimes it's just to have sex with some guy. Like that's how it was for a while. Like it just wasn't even about dating someone. It was just about, you know, going to get laid because that's all I could do. That's all I had time for. <laughs> well, relationships take a, you know, they take a lot of work. And yeah. the one thing you need to feel is a connection to another person and building a relationship takes a ton of freaking time. Oh yeah. And you can get that same feeling with a hookup. I mean, I can identify with that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and, and I think we've gotten to that point where I'm, I'm teaching my kids how to maneuver around their dad and how to, you know, keep calm. Um, how to not be themselves because they can't be themselves just like I wasn't myself around oh, this man. person. 
and it really it's it hurts it really hurts as a mother um and um i don't know i just feel like at some point i know they're gonna notice what type of person he is and i don't say anything i just tell my kids look at we gotta find forgiveness and grace and you know hey let's pray for him because maybe he needs prayer (laughs) he needs some but wow um, yeah. Have you ever thought about trying to get sole custody or, or trying to, you know, maybe get, cause it's just, I know that's gotta be frustrating for you to have to see your babies sit over there, you know, and to see, you don't know what's going on and your kids having panic attacks. Have you ever thought about taking legal action? Um, I have thought about it, um, in, in so many ways, um, it's just like finding, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's, it's kind of like money is, is a huge thing. Sure. Um, he does help. now. Um, he's helped. I want to say for the last seven months, like he's finally doing that. Um, and now he has a girlfriend. So he, he got a girlfriend really fast. They moved in together super fast. I think three months after knowing each other. So that tells you a lot. Um, and, um, he's repeating the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely is repeating that cycle. And, um, I just, uh, I don't know, like, I feel like she's kind of keeping him level-headed because he's like, he's, he's seeing the kids a little more each time. And, but at the same time too, like I'll notice when my kids are around him and the girlfriend that again, they still can't be themselves. And then my daughter of course, doesn't like her. um and my son's like mom i just don't like how dad is when he's around his girlfriend and i try to get him to elaborate on that but i think that's kind of with with maybe just the fact that he didn't see us have the greatest relationship ever um and then you know just just in in that essence like my son will be like hey mom am i gonna get a divorce like hey mom like Mm. and it's and it's those hard questions you're like no, like you're going to fall in love with somebody and you're going, you know, like I have to teach my son to be a man and how to treat a woman. Right. Okay. You've seen your dad, how he treated me and now how he's treating this other woman. Very, very different. So it's, it's hard. It's hard raising my son to just not be like his dad. (laughs) Well, it's good to hear that your, your children see their dad for who he is because I would imagine under different circumstances, having your children be upset with you for maybe having relationships with other men or for him having a relationship with other women that they might have anger built up towards you. And that would be more on your shoulders. But the fact that they see who he is, hopefully they realize that it's a good thing that you all got divorced or that you're getting divorced. Yeah. And I tell them because they kind of go into that sometimes too. Like my son's so good. He's um, at telling people or telling my emotions. He's like, when I'll, when I'll have a fight with him, with my ex or some just, you know, I'm had a bad day. He's like, mom, you don't look okay. He's like, what's wrong. (laughs) And it's so funny how, how just, he sees that. So I feel like kids see more than you think. Like it's amazing. Oh yeah. 
Oh. And my daughter is like big on the mom. When are you going to get a boyfriend? And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I know when, well, my mom and dad got divorced very young and he was extremely abusive to her. Um, and of course I got to witness him be extremely abusive to his wife after that. And there was a time where I was not allowed to see him anymore. And I was very upset about that. But as an adult, I realized that not growing up around that asshole was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And so for your kids to not have to be around that man as often as they would, if you were still married is definitely going to be beneficial to them. Yeah. And you know, I tell them like, they, they don't see me day. I try to keep my other relationships, um, pretty under wraps. Like, I don't think they should see any of that stuff. They don't like, they don't need to see mom hot mess on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I know they wonder because their dad did it. And, um, and, you know, their dad has a girlfriend now, but I know they wonder. And I, I tell them, I'm like, look at one day, it won't be the three musketeers anymore. It'll be however many people we're going to, love in her family. And I was like, things like that take time. I was like, and so it's just a process. And I tell them it's a process. So I, I try to keep an open book with them. Um, as far as like what I'm going through, what happened. Uh, yeah, they don't know every detail, but they know enough. So, yeah. I want to just mention that since you are an engineer, I mean, I don't know exactly what kind of company you work for, but you likely have an employee assistance program that has a free legal consultation. <laughs> Just throwing that out there um, where you can literally <laughs> talk to a lawyer for free and ask any questions. Um, and you may have that. So just oh, that's actually that. a great point. I, I just, I mean, I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. Cause like literally it's just a consultation. Like you could literally call your EAP and just say, Hey, do I have legal services? And they'd say, sure. And they transfer you over to a line. You talk to them for a minute. They would schedule you an interview with a lawyer for free. I, that's true. I, I'm just not to encourage you down that path, but I, I just want to, as a EAP consultant myself, I just want to offer that as potentially something that would be helpful. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have a paralegal now and she's pretty good about certain things. Um, and I know she can hook me up with a lawyer as well. And um, I definitely, and I know we're on that road to like healthy recovery. I guess you can say that. Um, sure. So my, my kids are seeing a therapist. I'm seeing a therapist. Um, That's awesome. And, I, I think um, I need to be the best me I can for them. And I always tell people if I'm not the best mom I can be or the best woman I can be, then I'm not, I'm useless as a mom. I'm useless yeah. as a person in a relationship. So, and that's why I feel like, you know, I, I want a friendship to me, my future relationship, wherever he may be. Hey, um, <laughs> it's more of less like, I want a best friend and the rest of the details will come. Yeah. So, and I tell my kids too, like that's what type of relationship you're supposed to look for is a friendship. And then the rest will come. Like no one's perfect. Um, you know, everyone's going to have their defects, but as long as you choose each other, like that's the biggest thing. So, yeah, but no one should ever have to go through what you went through. That's for certain. Having gone through all of this, what's like the one takeaway 
that you have taken and applied to your life in some way? Um, don't ever judge a book by its cover. Amen. Just because uh, they look great on the outside. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just because <laughs> they look okay on the outside doesn't mean they don't have scars on the inside. And um, I have a lot of compassion for people. I, I tell people all the time, like hurt people like to hurt people. Yeah. So maybe he just didn't love himself enough to love somebody else. Um, and um, I think for me, it's just having compassion for people and noticing when someone hurts, like I'm attracted to hurt. So when I see someone that looks like they may have some funk going on, like I like to help. Oh no, you're a fixer. I'm not a fixer. I wouldn't say that. I love hearing. I love listening. Um, I don't like fixing. I'm not a fixer. I've, gotcha. I've got to fix my own self. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love listening. I love hearing people's stories. Um, I'm an Enneagram five, like as, as if you guys know that. Yeah. So I, I, I like to be alone a lot. And so, um, and that just goes beyond to say, um, I, I do have a couple friends that I do talk to a lot, um, male. And uh, one of them I went on a hot date with, but <laughs> he just ended up being a really good friend. Um, and he's the one that kind of like opened me up to just one, one, the Enneagram, but two, just, just kind of telling me like that, um, I don't know, there's, there's just a lot of hurt I have and that I didn't notice and I didn't realize until, you know, kind of someone pointed it out, but not, not that, but just the connection you have with other people who are hurt. And, um, like I said, I love hearing about it and I love, you know, I, I love to be around broken people who are not afraid to admit that. Um, and I think that's what I take out of that. Well, here's the deal. Okay. Uh, because people can't see you. Um, you are an extremely attractive woman and <laughs> you are in our Marco Polo group. And if you're single, and you want to meet LJ, you need to come and join our Marco Polo group. Uh, she's absolutely fantastic. Strong woman. She's been through a lot, but it seems to me as though you've come out the other end in a much better place and you've got a really bright future ahead of you, not only for yourself, but for you and your kids. And I think that's extremely important. And if anybody out there is listening and you are trapped in an abusive relationship, there is a national hotline that you can call, and that is 1-800-799-7233. And I would just encourage you to do that. If you're, if you're in a relationship where you're being neglected, or you're being physically abused, verbally abused, emotionally abused, there are people that want to hear your story, and people that want to listen. And... Um, LJ, just thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I think it's extremely important. I think that it will help other women reach out and get the help that they'll need. Thank you. I, I hope that it does. I really do. Thank you so much, LJ. 